0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. My name is Jasmine Allnut, and of course, I'm joined as always by... Cheryl Bergerson. And it's not always. Oh, you're right. Well, not always. Usually. Usually. <laughs>
0: Like most That's true. Every like, now and
1: then we have a guest or something yeah, yeah. like that come through. But
0: but the goal yes is. It to be the two of us. Yeah. Usually. But there are sometimes <laughs> because either you're traveling or I'm traveling where it's just not possible. Yes. And we do kind of throw people off with that. <laughs> yes. And we do make allowances. We yes. bring in others. Oh yeah. And we've She's had fun. some, you know, fun. I mean, you brought in your mom, who I love. Yes. I got to yes. do one episode with your mom or two episodes, yeah, which we was did that? We have Kathy Gilbert, we've Kathy had her. Kathy Gilbert, we've brought yeah. her in more than once. Yes, yes. And then we've had Kelly Arroyo mm-hmm. and we've had Chris Repp, yeah, Yeah. and we plan on having Pam Markey, Pam Markey, that's right, Lisa Collins, that's right. (laughs) So we have more in the future too because we love doing that live. But anyway, Jasmine, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about uh, these Reformation women who really were standouts. Yes, and. There's something about the Reformation, probably the rediscovery of the Word of God and the passion that these women had and the fact that, you know, before that, we were talking about some of the mystics, and we were talking about they got a lot of things right, but they got a lot of things wrong. Yes, yes. Well-intended, for sure. Well-intended. <laughs> and I think God's got a lot of mercy and grace because yeah. they were they had the passion. They did, yeah. But when we come to the Reformation women, we are talking about women who not only had passion— But they had an understanding and a grasp of God's Word. Yes. And they were under the authority of God's Word. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about how the Reformation went from, you know, Europe and Switzerland and France and made its way to Scotland. Good. Yes,
1: I think we've touched on it for a second. So Cheryl's going to go deeper into that. That's right. And
0: it was all to prepare us. So everything I was doing was to prepare us for this time. And so I'm going to be talking. So I want you to know ahead of time that I'm going to be talking about Margaret McLaughlin Mm -hmm. and Margaret Wilson, and they were both Scots, and they were both what was called. Covenanters. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, came from the Reformed movement, which really put a strong emphasis on the second covenant or the new covenant that we have with Jesus, which includes the forgiveness of our sins because of his blood. You know, Mm -hmm. when we do communion, as you know, we are celebrating this new covenant. The new covenant. And there was an emphasis on all the, you know, of actually the book of Hebrews, all the mm-hmm. dividends, all the rewards of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And this is something that the reformers or the covenanters really emphasize mm-hmm. and really lived in. And the more that they, the covenanters and the reformers learned the word of God, the more they realized how astray, what they considered the church, what we call now the Catholic church, or the church as a whole had gotten away from the word Mm -hmm. of God Mm -hmm. and the holiness of God and the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So they're bringing it back. So we know that the Gutenberg Press produced the Bible in German. Which was awesome. Well, Latin originally. and Latin. then Yes. That's and right. And then Luther did the German translation. And then Luther did the German. But what I want to talk about was Tyndall's Bible. Mm. That was completed in 1526 in English. So it's actually the second Bible produced in English, the first being the Wycliffe Bible. Mm-hmm. But the Wycliffe, because there was no Gutenberg press. Yeah, so, the printing press. That's right. So it was copied by hand. Wycliffe's followers were called the Lollards. Mm-hmm. And if anyone was found with a Wycliffe Bible, they would be killed, executed. That's just the way it was yeah. because it was considered an affront against the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Almost and like treason, basically. Exactly, treason. So Tyndale was an English tutor, and he had graduated from Oxford And he felt it incumbent upon himself to translate the Bible because he knew it in Hebrew, and he knew it in Greek. He was both a Hebrew and Greek uh, scholar. This is what he taught. This is what he tutored in. And so as he read the Bible, he thought these practices of the Catholic Church are wrong. It's just not right. And he wanted the common people to have the Bible, and he was inspired because at that same time, Martin Luther had, you know, the— translated, of course, Mm -hmm. the Bible into German. So in 1526, he finished his translation of the whole Bible, and the first Tyndale Bible was published. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you and I both know, Henry VIII actually hunted him down um, in Germany, where he was betrayed by a friend. And he was sentenced to Uh, the stake and burned Mm -hmm. alive. And the last thing that he said before he was burned alive was, Mm. go ahead. Lord, open the King of England's eyes. That's right. (laughs) Which is so interesting. And we'll get into why that's so interesting. But until that time, the English church was the Catholic church. But at the same time, Henry was married to a Catholic from Spain named Catherine of Aragon. But there was a young woman in his court named Anne Boleyn, Mm -hmm. and he fell in love with her and he wanted to marry her. Interesting enough, because Jasmine said, We might do Anne Boleyn. Oh, we'll get into those guys. Yeah, the Tudor women. (laughs) The Tudor women. But interestingly enough, Anne Boleyn was actually very interested in the writings of Martin Luther, very intelligent woman. She could read German she knew latin she knew a lot of the ancient languages and she actually had henry read some of the things martin luther she translated them and read them for henry some of the things that martin luther was saying well about this time henry really wanted a divorce because he was so in love with anne boleyn he wanted anne boleyn and remember anne boleyn's not a great Christian. She's just beginning to discover these things, and she's also beginning to discover that she's pregnant. And so Henry is getting more and more desperate to get a divorce from the Catholic Church, and the Pope just won't sanction it. So he's sending money. He's sending emissaries to the Pope in Rome. Please give me a divorce. Finally, Thomas... Kramer suggests to. Oh, Kramer. Kramer. Kramer, or, and also uh, Wolseley, they suggest mm-hmm. to the king that, you know what? Why should you answer to the Pope? There's so much corruption going on there. Why not start afresh and with, with us? We're, we're bishops, we know. And let's start kind of a new branch, which became the Episcopalian Church. Anglican. Anglican. Church of England. Church of England, or what we know in the United States as Episcopalian. Yes. Yeah. In the and States. at first, it was actually called the Episcopo. Before it was called Anglican, it was called the Episcopo. And so this was at that point, the Episcopo Church. So Henry Eighth started this new branch and appointed his own bishops who once had been a Catholic bishops. But Henry VIII was so mad, he put his wife Catherine in exile, and he divorced her. And they did have a child together that was Mary. And we'll get to her in just a second. But Henry VIII, he was sure Tyndale was wrong with his Bible. And so he hired a man named Miles Coverdell, who was also a Greek- and Hebrew scholar and to make an English translation of the Bible. Interestingly enough, um, in 1535, when Miles Coverdell was commissioned to do this, he drew heavily from Tyndale's Bible, heavily. And that's why just three years later, three years later, after it took a lifetime for Tyndale, three years later, he published what was called the English Bible, which was Coverdale's Bible, Miles Coverdale's Bible. Yeah, yeah, actually. And it's interesting because Tyndale's
1: Bible, whether <laughs> the king meant it to happen or not, it was kind of authoritative enough where they said later when they would do further translations, eight out of 10 times they went back to Tyndale. Oh, yeah. It was used for the king. So, ironically, James Bible, yes. Even though they ironically.
0: Hated him. <laughs> well, there are certain phrases like um, scapegoat that Tyndale came up with. And it's interesting because when Webster mm. put together the dictionary, Henry Webster in the United States, yeah. do you know that for his sources to know what words, because he did the very first dictionary mm. that we know of, but to understand the meaning of words, because before that, nobody had defined the English language or said what words meant what. Mm. So to make his dictionary, he used Shakespeare and Tyndall's Bible. Makes sense. And that's where he got his words and the meaning of the words. I love it. Isn't that fascinating? Very formational to the English language, yeah. Very formational. So Henry then ordered that a Coverdale Bible, which, of course, he called the English Bible, be put in every church. So after Henry VIII died, his daughter Mary, the daughter of Catherine of Aragon—well, actually, his son Edward— who was Anne Boleyn's son, took the throne, but he was so sickly. He died after just, you know, I think it was less than a year he died. And at that point, Mary became the Queen of England, and she was an angry Catholic. I think that's the best way to put it. (laughs) And she wanted to get even with everybody who had put her mother in Exile, everybody who had granted Absolutely. her father the right to a divorce. And so she started these persecutions, and that's why she is called yep. Bloody, Mary. Bloody Mary. She also married very um, zealous. <laughs> right. And she married a Spanish Catholic who was also very <laughs> zealous Philip. and mm-hmm. and really encouraged her in a lot of her persecutions. And that's where Smithfield Market became a place of execution. Hmm. It's when Radley uh, a Ridley, Ridley and Latimer, Lattimer. trying to say them together at the same <laughs> time. Latimer and Ridley, yeah. Right, <laughs> were actually burned at the stake in Oxford. And you mm-hmm. could actually stand where they were burned at the stake. So when she died, and I could say so much about that because she died actually of uterine cancer, thinking that she was pregnant because her stomach was growing, when in reality it was a cancerous tumor in her womb. And from that, she died. And then her sister, Elizabeth, took the throne. And she began to reverse the process. So now the Catholics were on the run again. Now, Queen Elizabeth had a cousin in Scotland who was always trying to usurp Elizabeth's throne. And that lady's name was Mary, Queen of Scots. And she was a very, very dangerous woman. Mm -hmm. So in order to safeguard the throne and Elizabeth to safeguard herself, her own safety. She came up with something called an act of unity. And it sounds great. (laughs) It's that, you know, that all of the churches really answer to the queen or the king of England, Mm -hmm. an act of unity. But this act of unity would end up being a curse to the churches in England. So Mary, Queen of Scots, was a diehard but not practicing Catholic. So she was Catholic in culture mm-hmm. and politics, politics because they went together. It was really more political. Yeah, and yeah. She actually exploited the Catholic Church. Uh, she married the Dauphin of France, Louis the—I can't remember which Louis. There were so yeah. many. Yeah. I think it was Louis the 13th or 14th. She married his son, who was the Dauphin— And she did this in order to gain the Catholic support of France so she could secure her throne in Scotland and actually attack England because she wanted that throne too. And actually, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, she was the niece of Henry VIII. Mm. So it was Henry Mm -hmm. VIII's sister's daughter, and that's Mary, Queen of Scots. So Mary was married to the Dauphin of France. And he died. He died. So this leaves her a little vulnerable. So she moves back to Scotland, and she marries her cousin, her cousin, Lord Darnley. But the dolphin of France died under suspicious circumstances. In fact, many think she poisoned him. I mean, she was like one— evil. There's so evil much woman. of that intrigue in this right. history. <laughs> so she marries her cousin who she's always kind of been, i uh, had a special relationship with. Mm. Always. Even writing him when she was married and uh, love letters, all that. Not and she either. has a child, which is her only son and his name is James. Mm -hmm. So then she gets a little tired of Lord Darnley and she starts having a relationship with the fourth Earl of Boswell, whose name is James Hepburn. And James Hepburn is indicted for killing Lord Darnley in an explosion. So he's acquitted And they believe that's because of Mary's persuasion. Mm -hmm. He's acquitted, but still always suspected. A month later, he marries Mary. How convenient. Yes, how convenient. So the play Hamlet by Shakespeare... Is actually based on Mary Queen of Scots. Mm, very intriguing, isn't it? Wow. And so Hamlet is supposed to be actually the young King James, and looking at this, just you know, look at what my mother has done. You know, how yeah, could wow. she? So she was later arrested on treasonous charges. They found many plots uh, that she had that were against Queen Elizabeth. So. Um, she had to abdicate the throne, and so the throne actually and, went to— Sorry, and Mary was—or sorry,
1: Elizabeth was the successor to Mary after Mary. Oh, we already talked about that. You did all that? Yes. Did you cover, like, King Edward and all that? Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> Where were you? You were here. So, anyway, King James becomes the king, and guess how old he is? Thirteen months. Oh, geez. When he becomes the king of Scotland. So, he's just the king of Scotland right now. So, there was a lord protector, I assume. Mm-hmm. But— Interestingly enough, it was John Knox who preached at his coronation. John Knox. So covenanters actually, under Elizabeth's realm, enjoyed some freedom. And this is when they begin to propagate, Mm -hmm. was under Elizabeth. And this is when the influx comes in. And they did not have anything. The covenanters didn't have anything against Elizabeth. But remember, she did that act of unity. Mm -hmm. So that's going to come back and haunt Everybody, But at the time, it gave liberties to the Catholics, to the Covenanters, to the Puritans, to, to everybody if they would just not try to kill Elizabeth. It was pretty much don't try to kill the queen and you'll be tolerated. I mean, she
1: saw so much crazy stuff happen with her siblings on the throne. She was trying to be
0: moderate. That's right. Yeah. She absolutely was. So now Prince James is growing up. He's James I of Scotland. And he is growing up, but he is young, he's reckless, and he's self-indulgent, and he's got a gambling problem. And there's no money. There's no money for the throne of Scotland, like no money at all. And so he's raised by leaders in the Episcopalian church, and they regularly beat him they are cruel, they're immoral, and so he's not seen a true representation of, of Christ. So his mother was a Catholic, she's in jail, and then later she's executed. So he's not impressed with the Catholics, and he's not impressed with what was then the Episcopo or Anglican. Anglican. So he's just mm-hmm. not impressed. In the meantime, John Knox was an Anglican or Episcopal bishop, and He graduated from St. Andrew's College, Mm -hmm. and he just loved the Lord. And he was like, why isn't anyone taking any of this seriously? He loved God. He loved the Word of God. But he's looking around, and he's seeing the unscrupulous lives of his contemporaries. Yeah. And I had mentioned,
1: I think, in a previous episode, the the cardinal or the archbishop of St. Andrew's, Cardinal Beaton, he had fathered. 10 children with all these women. That's I mean, right. Yeah, that's what he's seeing around him. Like, A what numerous, in the world?
0: Numerous concubines. Yep. And the Catholics did not fare any better. They were so corrupt. and They were known for having girlfriends, the monks in every town and, and the bishops. So John Knox was also reading material coming across the water from Martin Luther in Germany. So at one point, John Knox, uh, there's all sorts of mayhem in Scotland. So beaten as we know, uh, Bishop Beaton, he's evil. He's mm-hmm. really evil. But he he hates this man named, uh, he hates a, a Bishop. Wizard? Yes, he hates him. And so he has him executed. Then there's a Lord, Ruth Haven, who has a castle, and he hates Beaton. So it goes back and forth and, and they're killing and they're taking matters into their own hands and mm-hmm. it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So anyway, John Knox ends up, Starting his own movement called the Covenanters. This happens after he goes to Geneva and he meets with John Calvin. Mm-hmm. So they have this great meeting of the minds, and John Calvin says, "You know, go back to your people and start something." So he goes back, and again, they're called the Covenanters, or they're called uh, later the Presbyterians. Yes, yeah, Scottish Presbyterians. But mm-hmm. their movement that John Knox uh, starts. So Elizabeth dies. King James, well, before Elizabeth dies, interestingly enough, she starts a correspondence with her nephew, King James, and says, look, there's nobody else but you to take the throne. Will you be loyal to me? Will you, you know, not try to kill me, in other words? And they start a really great correspondence. So Elizabeth then pays off all of James' debts to buy his loyalty also. So, I mean, this is fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, when Elizabeth dies, she dies in the palace at Richmond, and her maid takes the ring off of her finger, and she goes over, and the bridge is still in Richmond. This is all that's left of Richmond Palace, is this one, like, it's a bridge, but it's actually an archway with, that had like a hallway above it. And she went to that hallway, she ran through the corridors, went to that hallway, Drops the ring down to a rider, a man on horseback, who takes the the ring and he rides all night to Scotland. And this is, James is 37 years old at this time. Mm -hmm. And he gives the ring to James, and James officially becomes the king of England when he puts that ring on. He comes down, he's coronated in England, but he's the first king the first king to be officially the king of Ireland, Scotland, and England because of its ancestry. Yeah, and because Elizabeth, as you might know, was called the Virgin Queen. She never had children of her own.
1: That's That's why James would
0: inherit. Mm -hmm. So now James comes up with something. Now, James is said to be bisexual. He's been caught in encounters with both men and women. Oh, boy. He's not faithful to his wife, who he absolutely adores. I mean, he loves his wife. He went all the way to—in fact, it said it was the only romantic thing he ever did. But he went all the way to Denmark to fetch her, and she was younger than he was. And, you know, she couldn't come to him. They were married by proxy first, and then they were married officially. But he went by ship to claim her and to bring her back to Scotland. So he loves her. But that has nothing to do with being faithful to James. This is— He's immoral. He's Mm. been raised by immoral, supposedly religious people. And he has no moral caliber at all. No moral compass. So anyway, he has these influencers. Let's just call them influencers, which are, you know, the kind of wealthy men who are supporting the British throne. And they tell him that he has really got to do something about the covenanters in scotland he's got to squelch this movement and he's got to get rid of the Coverdale bible that's what's causing the problems so he hires 11 men to translate the bible and unbeknownst to him these men borrowed from the tyndale and Coverdale yep. bible heavily heavily <laughs> again the irony <laughs> the irony right so when this bible is put out He calls it the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some people that like, King James only. King James is the authorized version. Authorized by who? The King of England. Yes. That's who authorized it. Then he made having a Coverdell or a Tyndale Bible illegal. Mm-hmm. And you could only have the King James Bible. Now this outraged believers. This outraged the Covenanters. This outraged the Puritans. The this yep. this outraged just about everybody you could possibly, you know, get upset. Except except the Episcopal or the Anglicans. Yeah, the Anglicans yeah. They're okay with it. So the King James Bible went into now all of the Anglican churches all over England. Well, people were really upset about this because he would put his name, his immoral name, next to the name of the Bible, the Holy Bible. Here's an unholy king Mm -hmm. putting his name on the Holy Bible, and they were so, so upset. So at the same time that all of, of this is going on, he, his influencers tell him that he needs to create something called the Oath of Abjuration. Now, the Oath of Abjuration was this, that every subject in England had to denounce the covenanters, had to denounce, like, the religion of the covenanters, hmm. the covenanters, and swear allegiance to the king. And that really upset people. That's like saying Caesar is Lord to them. Yeah, again, that connection
1: of politics and religion. There was it was really it took a long time to get that out of everyone's system.
0: Right. And at the same time that this is going on, you've got all these covenanters that are now the Parliament of Scotland. And they want Scotland to officially be a Presbyterian country. Mm -hmm. They want, you know Following John Knox's example. Following John Knox. And John Knox was so popular in Scotland. So King James dies and his son Charles I becomes king. Charles I is highly distrusted because he married a French Catholic. (laughs) And it was actually King James who arranged that marriage to this Catholic because he wanted the support of the Catholics, Mm -hmm. one, and two, because they promised to cover all his debts because he had incurred even more debts as the king of England. So now... The Catholics think they have an inn uh, with Charles. He's got the support of France. And he thinks he's going to just rule the country with an iron fist. Mm -hmm. And he tries to go against Parliament. And he's the only king of England to be executed. By yep. Parliament. Yeah. So then Oliver Cromwell rules, mm-hmm. and he rules what's called the Commonwealth of England. The he, only time England didn't have a monarchy. That's right. But he is cruel because yeah. Oliver Cromwell doesn't like anybody. He persecutes the Covenanters, he persecutes the Anglicans, and he persecutes the Catholics. And the only people he likes are the Puritans. Yeah. Yep. The only people, and he's cruel. He is just After he dies in 1658, his brother Robert rules one year. And then they're like, we don't want Robert. So after Robert, and this is where we're getting, they bring Charles II back Mm -hmm. to England. The restoration of the monarchy. The restoration of the monarchy. But Charles is going to insist, not really him, but his commissions, are going to insist on the oath of abjuration. And this is when... This is when Margaret McLaughlin mm. and Margaret Wilson come into this story. Mm-hmm. And they're known as the martyrs of Wigtown. But guess what? We're out of time. <laughs> oh. Can you believe that? Wow. My goodness. So all of that. This was setting the stage. That's right. All of that is preparatory for the real story that when you come back, When you come back next week, you will hear about Margaret McLaughlin. I just like saying Margaret (laughs) McLaughlin and Margaret Wilson. You will hear about these incredible women. Mm -hmm. So please come back. Now that you know the setting, the intrigue, the danger, um, you will understand the bravery Mm -hmm. and why these women are famous in scotland yeah. so that's cheryl broderson and jasmine on that saying please 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 come back there's so much more to this yes. story join us next time women worth knowing and again if you have a woman for us you can get in touch with us at w w k at calvarychapel.com so please write us okay <laughs> see you next time see you next time Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends.